Somebody just high-fived and missed and slapped somebody right in the forehead. So we're going to be preaching on forgiveness this morning. Or turn the other cheek, whichever scripture you want to use. Well, let me take my glasses off so I can see far away. Wow, you guys almost look great today. Hallelujah. Glad you're here. Well, this morning I, uh, I'm here and... and uh, Wow, it's great to be back. It was, it was such a pleasure. Thank you, Pastor Tom, for, for inviting me and for giving me the opportunity to come speak. And uh, you don't think a lot changes in five years, but it does. I mean, think about it. I, I saw Norm Van Polen this morning. He's still got that great little curl in his hair. There's just less of it curling now. Uh, you know, to, and, and uh, you may not have noticed, but my hair has gotten reasonably grayer. He commented on my gray beard, and uh, much of it has found itself to be more comfortable as a welcome mat on my bathroom floor than on my head. But uh, I'm, I'm still here. It's a crown of glory. Uh, my beautiful bride of 27 years still wakes up every morning. In fact, she woke up this morning and said she still loved me, uh, said that she'd be praying for me with her eyelids shut and to wake her, set an alarm for her at 7. Uh, my son, Michael, in five years, has uh, gotten married. Uh, he, you know, for some of you that have been here back in, I got here in 2004, he was uh, in the fifth grade and was about yay big, and now he's like 6'2". He's got a bride. He's in his fifth year of college to be a PA. My other son, Matthew, who was in second grade when I got here, now is 6'2", about 2.30, and he is uh, studying at Western to be an engineer and is doing great. And um, the one thing that hasn't changed is that I woke up this morning and I'm still just as passionate about being a follower of Jesus Christ, being a good husband, being a good father that he's called me to do than I ever have before. Amen? And so that's a good thing, uh, that, that this day finds my family following the Lord and, and walking in, in his blessing. And uh, how many of you uh, were here when I was actually uh, leading this ministry? Raise your hands. Awesome. Pastor Tom, will you just get all those guys new journals just today? Just give them, you know, and a $20 bill and then free breakfast for next week, will you? What? You don't give away free stuff every morning like money? No, okay. All right. Well, let's get started. I, when Pastor Tom called or uh, called or texted me and asked me to, to share this morning, uh, I, I immediately went to, to Holy Spirit and said, what do you want me to say? What do, what do you want your men to hear this morning? And he said this, uh, tell them I've got them where they're at. I've got them where they're at. Uh, I mean, good, bad, or different, uh, I've got them where they're at. And uh, has anyone here taken a real quick look at their life, an examination, maybe yesterday, maybe the day before, maybe this morning, and you are completely surprised at where you are at in life? I mean, good, bad, or indifferent. Maybe you are better and more successful in a, different, in a better way than you ever thought you could be, or maybe you're, you're worse off. Maybe you went back and read your five-year plan this morning, and you looked at it and said, I'm nowhere near where I thought I would be. How many, just by a show of hands, are just in a different place than with what you thought you would be? would be today? Raise your hand. Okay. A few of you out there. Uh, I would say I fall into that category. In the humble uh, words of theologian Clark W. Griswold, I would say that I wouldn't be more surprised today where I'm at than if I woke up tomorrow and my head was sewn to the carpet. I just 
didn't see this coming. And I've had a lot of that lately. In, in spring of 2016, God began to speak to Cheryl and I about preparing our house or getting our house ready. And I immediately want to go to the flesh and go, oh, Lord, well, does, I, does it mean I re-carpet? Does it mean I repaint? Does it mean I, I dress something up in a different way? And, and I began to see throughout this point that he had a, an idea of totality in that statement, is that it's not just about your earth and dwelling. It's about your heart. It's about your place. It's about uh, vocation. It's about everything that I want to take you. Get ready because something is going to happen. In June, my oldest son, Michael, came home and, uh, from a date one night, and he said, uh, Dad, uh, I asked Bailey to marry me tonight. I said, well, congratulations. That's awesome. Have you guys set a date? And he says, yeah, August. I said, yeah, August of 2017. That's a great time to get married. He goes, no, I want to get married in like uh, 45 days. Because we'd like to have a honeymoon before we have to go back to school and all that. And, and I thought through this. I went, I'm doing the math. That is not a good co- equation, 45 days for planning a wedding. Many of you may not understand that, but, but maybe your wives would, is that there's like halls you have to rent and all But God didn't want to do it according to my plan. He wanted to do it according to his plan. And so in August of last fall, Michael got married. Uh, in September of that same year, for the first time in 15 years, I found myself no longer in full-time vocational ministry. And God said, you know, I've got this. I found myself spending the next six months taking a sabbatical, a rest, paying back the Lord for time that I had taken away and that I owed him back. And he said, he's got this. In April, we sold our home uh, and put it on the market. We prayed this prayer um, and, and even in, a, in a, a great market for selling house, I said, Lord, I don't like cleaning house, um, but I'd like to show our house to one person, and I'd like one person to buy our house. And our house sat for like 30 days, and we're like, what, Lord, why are you showing out? You know. And all of a sudden, one night, uh, Thursday night, 9 p.m., the phone rings. Hey, we were driving out of your neighborhood. We saw your house is for sale. Can we come see it tomorrow? And Friday night, we had a signed offer. Isn't it funny how God works sometimes? It's because he's got us where we're at. Let me tell you something. I turned 50 this year. Uh, this coming September, I'll turn 50. And there's no part of where I'm at that I thought I would be today. And can I be totally transparent this morning and say my flesh doesn't like it one stinking bit. (laughs) It doesn't. I mean, this morning I woke up in a really nice, comfortable room. Uh, it, It was air conditioned. My wife was laying next to me. I had my head on a feather pillow and none of it belongs to me because we're living with two of our best friends in the entire world right now. Not the 50 year plan. You don't call it. I mean that in this generation, that's called failure to launch. Amen. Anybody got a 30 year old living in your basement? John 6, 63 says this. It says, it's the spirit that gives life, but the flesh is no help at all. See, what I don't need right now is more of Todd. I need more of God. I need a touch from him. I need his spirit speaking to my spirit going, I've got you where you're at. 
And it was earlier this spring when I heard it. I heard it. In times when things are going a different direction than what you want. I won't call them good. I won't call them difficult. I'll just call them different. When times are going in a different direction than what you want, the most important thing that you can have happen is to get a word from the Lord. Somebody better say amen to that. Because guess what? All your friends come out of the woodwork. You know, all Job's friends come and tell you that you're walking in the wrong direction, that you're doing the wrong things, that you're, you've maybe got some sin in your life or that you're doing something wrong. They all come out of the woodwork and they want to tell you how to fix your situation. There's a little nursery rhyme that says, all the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put old Humpty back together again. I don't need to hear from everybody else. I need to hear from the author and the finisher and the creator of my life. And that's when I heard it. It said this, Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And in that moment, I heard the Lord begin to speak, and he said, listen, you can tromp through a desert, or you can rest in green pastures. Which one do you want? I said, I kind of like green pastures. Those grass-fed cows taste good. <laughs> I don't want to do the desert thing. That doesn't sound like fun. And he began to say, God, I just said, I've got you where you are. I will provide. I will sustain. I've got you where you are. And the key is, gentlemen, that we can have peace wherever it is that we have, are at. But the funny thing about it is that we can lose our peace over the most insignificant things. Well, Pastor Todd, you don't understand. You don't understand that, uh, you know, what I'm going through. You don't understand my situation. You do not know my wife. I married the devil's sister. You don't know what my kids are doing right now. You don't know my financial situation. You don't know what's going on in my life. Yes, but God does. And he says you can have peace wherever it is you're at. Because wherever he is, he is there with you. Wherever you are, he is there with you if we can recognize that. And I don't want to discount that some people have some truly great trials that they're going through. I don't want to discount that at all. And I also understand that our perception is our reality. But our perception needs to see God in the middle of that. Hebrews 10.35 says this, it says, Therefore do not throw away your confidence because it has great reward. Do you know something about confidence? Is that you can be very, very, very confident in who you are in yourself. And it's so funny because just the right pretty girl can come take that away from you by snubbing you and walk away. 
Not getting that job that you applied for can dash that confidence so quickly and shake you at the foundation. Looking at your checkbook and seeing that there's more month than money can quake that equation of confidence in the flesh and who you are. But that says, cast your confidence. You can't, don't give it away because in due process, in due season, in whatever season you are, it's going to prove that it has a reward for that. Your confidence that God gives you cannot be taken away, but it can be surrendered. Amen? And we surrender it in looking away from what God is doing in us, through us. We surrender it in the fact that we forget that he's got us where we're at. We give it up. I think anybody who has spent any amount of time at Res Life Church, how many of you remember Pastor Bobby Bogart? I think, Pastor Tom, you've had him speak here before. And uh, if you spent any amount of time with Pastor Bobby Bogart, you'll hear a couple of things. First things is this statement, well, bud, you'll hear that one. The other one uh, is that you'll hear his testimony, uh, how he grew up in a little uh, shotgun home and went to a little church in Desark, Arkansas, where he gave his heart to the Lord. The other one is you will hear him say Jeremiah 29, 11. Does everybody know or anybody know what Jeremiah 29, 11 says? It says loosely this, is that I have a plan for you, says the Lord, a plan, plan to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. I preached on that the, on New Year's Day this year to a little Christian Reformed church up in New Era, Michigan, and, and just brought the hope of the Lord through that. But saying that we know Jeremiah 20 and 11, how many of you know what Jeremiah 29, 7 says? Everybody forgot that one, didn't we? Jeremiah 27 says this, but seek the welfare, or you could translate that word peace into that word. Seek the peace of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its peace or in its welfare, you will find your welfare or find your peace. See, you can't have 29.11 if you don't have 29.7. It just doesn't go hand in hand. The two go hand in hand is as you begin to pray for the peace, pray for the welfare of where you're at in that moment. Bless the people that are around you that God has given you stewardship with and over, with the family that you've got, whether they're acting like the devil or they're serving the Lord. As you pray peace and you pray comfort and you pray welfare over those situations, and in that God brings you your peace because God's got you where you're at. God's always faithful to provide. In chapter 11, the faithfulness of God is there. In chapter 7, the faithfulness is there. But the difference is, is once we begin to do the seven, he peels the scales off our eyes to be able to see where he's really working at. Chapter, or verse 7 is the faith walk that we do. Philippians 4, 4 through 8 says this. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And this is finally, brothers, great verse for this morning in a men's ministry. Amen. Finally, brothers, look at your brother. Say, finally, brother. He's getting to a point here. 
Finally, brothers, whatever it is um, true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things. One translation says, whatever is beautiful. I think it's really cool that Josh sang that song this morning. What a beautiful name it is. God wants us to dwell on the beautiful things. Christ came, he paid for our sins by dying on a cross, arose victorious in grave, so we would have beautiful things to focus on because his name is beautiful. I have not said this more than I have in the last year is that I just don't have any problems. Now that may sound braggadocious to some of you. For some of you, that is a statement that you'd never say because you fear the other shoe is fixing to drop if you say it. It's like it's a country and western song. All of a sudden your wife's gonna leave, your car will break down and your dog's gonna die if you say, I just don't have any problems. No country fans here this morning, all right. But it's true, I just don't have any problems. Well, what do you mean you don't have any problems? I mean, you didn't have a job for six months. You, didn't, you, didn't, you don't have a home right now. You don't, I don't have any problems because in the natural, I woke up this morning and I'm healthy. In the natural, I woke up and, and you know, somewhat groggily, but at least my wife looked at me and said, I love you, have a good day. Uh, this weekend, my boys, you know, celebrated Mother's Day and they're both serving the Lord. And on most given Sundays, you can find them sitting on the front row of church or second row of church with me, with their family, and they enjoy being around me. That is so weird. I just don't have any problems. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He gives me green pastures to rest in. And he's got me where I'm at. And that's so important. It's the peace of God. Now, this morning's uh, talk was a little bit of a play on words because um, I said he's got you where you at, but additionally, he's also got you where you're at. And so this morning, maybe some of you just were listening to me talk about that and share a little bit of my testimony going, yeah, I can see where God has got me. His sustaining power is around me. His provision is for me. His words are, you know, he's singing songs of deliverance over me. Yes, I get that. But for somebody else this morning, he's got you where you're at. What does that mean? Uh, where are you today that he's got you for a particular plan and purpose? Where has he got you today uh, to be able to possibly to teach you something? I mean, where God has you may not only be in grace and in comfort and in, in, uh, in mercy and provision, but maybe God has also got you someplace for an education today. Uh, there's a story in, in Acts 9 that talks about a man named Ananias. And God sent Ananias to go find this guy named Saul who was stumbling around in the streets trying to grope his way back home after being blinded by having a visitation with Jesus Christ. And he goes, go find Saul. He's going to be in this place. And I've got some work for him to do. And he says this line. Just love it. It should bring comfort into everybody's life. Ready? Okay. He says, I must show him the great things that he must suffer for my name's sake. Come on. 
If you don't want like 15 people walking up to you every morning going, I'm just here to tell you, I want to talk to you about some of the great things that you're going to have to suffer for God's name. You know, John, there's some great things that God's got for you to suffer for his namesake today. Can somebody shout amen to that? We do not like suffer in our theology. Anybody got their hand up for that one? I don't like a suffering theology. I don't like it one bit. Because we read the books, we go to that big church, and they tell us our best day is now. And that everything's going to be okay. And when we pray that prayer, we become a new creation in Christ Jesus, that the old is gone, the new has come. And hallelujah, everything's coming up roses today. Amen. And sometimes it is. But there's also those seasons where we will suffer many things for the Lord's sake. Can I translate that word suffer for you? It's not just to be beaten and whipped. It's not that your bank account will go empty. It's not that you'll be rejected by people. It means that you'll have a reasonable experience. A reasonable experience. That's it. You're going to have a reasonable experience. It, it probably isn't going to kill you. It's just a reasonable experience. You know what I found out about reasonable experiences, gentlemen? You can't have compassion for what you don't care about. And as men, that is probably one of the biggest areas that we struggle with. In 2008, I went on an experience with the Lord, and he taught me compassion at a new level. Is instead of trying to fix your problem when you come to me and share it with me, I come just to say, I'm sorry. That really, really, really sucks. And I'm sorry your heart is hurting, and I'm sorry you're going through this in this moment, and I'm sorry that this is happening to you. Can I pray for you? We can't have compassion for what we don't care about. And so there are times when we have a reasonable experience and that we experience something. So many of us, the difference between getting the gospel up here and getting the gospel in here is just an experience. It's just getting to a place. Pastor Tom talked about Kairos. If you've never gone through Kairos, if you've never been through Freedom Ministries, go do it. Because it is a key, it is an appointed time for you to meet with the Lord and experience the goodness that he has for you. We sang no longer slaves this morning, but do we really understand what that means if we haven't had an experience? It's important. Sometimes humility is its own best teacher, man. I remember um, uh, 1998-ish, I was uh, running a car dealership up in Whitehall, Michigan. And my dad came into my office one day. And I was kind of running a little fast. Anybody that's spent any time in the car business, Charles, you understand there are two sides of that coin and, and that uh, there, there are some bad influences that you can choose to participate in. There's some good influences. I was participating in all the bad ones. And I remember my dad walking into my office one day, big corner office, glass, you know, had the cool chair, everything. And he said to me, he says, Todd, I don't think I like who you've become. Now, for some of you, that would be the greatest father wound that you'll ever have in your life. It's, it's just not something you want to hear, is hear your father say, I just haven't like, I don't like who you've become. But that was an awakening for me 
from someone that I'd watched sacrifice and live a life of humility to provide for his family and for other people and had stayed true to the course, you know, gone to the same church and done all the same things just every day, just got up and just did the same things day after day and day after day. He said, I, I don't like who you become. And I remember that about three weeks later, my boss came into my office and he said to me, Todd, he says, I asked you to do a couple of things and I know you don't think they were quite ethical, but I asked you to do them. And so you haven't done them. And so there's actually uh, a guy on, in my office right now that is uh, fixing to take this office now. And so I need you to pack your stuff. Anybody that's been in the car business know you have that little shoe box in the corner that you take all your belongings with when you leave. And he said, I need you to pack your stuff and go. And I remember probably 10 years later, the Lord saying, is that I will protect you. You are a great value to me. I will protect you even if I have to protect you from yourself. And while I could have sat and wallowed that I lost that great job that I was making a ton of money and had great influence, the best thing God could do to me in that moment was take that away to bring me to where I am today. Humility is a great teacher at times. So what does God want us to learn? What's God want us to learn? He wants us to learn that he wants to get our eyes off us, get our eyes off our situation, and get our eyes on, on the provider. Freedom Ministries, uh, I don't know, if, Pastor Tom, if you guys teach this here, but, but everything that God has created, he created for us to freely enjoy. Amen? I mean, we've got great lakes here. We have great fishing here. We have great hunting here. We have great bike trails and great bike shops and all these things that you have. Uh, we have great guitar stores. We have great all kinds of things he's given us to freely enjoy. But when we get too focused on those things, he's smart enough that he created those things to bring them full circle back to him again. If you don't believe me, check this out. How many of you got kids in the house? Raise your hand. Whether old, young, launched, unlaunched, still living in your basement, doesn't matter. When your kids go sideways, I mean, when they're doing A's and they're in the honor society and all that, you're like, look at Johnny. He's awesome. He's the best at what he is. He's a great sports. He's 4.0. He's on the track team. He's doing all this like, woo. And then Johnny gets arrested and you're like, God, what are you doing with this kid you gave me? Full circle. Life is good, you got money, you're going out to nice restaurants, you're buying nice cars, you're tithing, you're doing all the things. Money's a little short. God, I need money. Your wife is awesome, you're, you're, you love her, and then one day she comes home and actually sprouts the horns from the devil and just starts going crazy and spending up your credit cards and just doing nutsy stuff. Like, Lord, what did you do with the woman you gave me? See, Adam had that line first, but we just borrowed it. It brings it full circle. Everything he's created, he brought full circle. What does he want us to learn where you're at? How fast a learner are you? How teachable are you? Anybody have somebody that just bugs the beans out of you sometime? That person that comes around you? Maybe that person that uh, you're, you know, are you like a personal space guy or are you like a hugger? Oh, okay. Any not huggers in this place? Anybody likes... Come on, Eric. Balance a canoe on your nose, but you don't want people touching you. Got it. Um, <laughs> everybody on the way out, we're going to have a hugging line deliverance for, Eric, for Pastor Eric. Um, but, but, you know, sandpaper people. I'm, I'm one of those people that 
if you get real close to my face, I'm, I'll do this and just take, I don't, I love hugging. I love personal touch. It's great. But you get in my face. And I found that God always puts people right here in my face. Um, so I just carry Tic Tacs for them. You know, I just here, you need one of these. It's, it's not an offering. It's a suggestion. But, but I call those people sandpaper people. And they're sandpaper people because they're abrasive. And it's not about them. It's about working the rough edges off of me. What is God trying to teach us where we are at, where he's got us today? Because we can spend a couple of days walking around on the desert, a two-week vacation in the desert, or we can spend 40 years in the wilderness. Which one do we want? I like the short walk. And personally, I would rather not lose a generation of people while we're trying to learn something, amen? Gentlemen, you don't know where you are at today, which may be for a generation that has not yet come. There are some of you sitting here that don't understand that the Lord has done something in you and through you, not for you, but for someone else. I look around, it blesses me. How old are you? 19. How old are you? Okay. It blesses me to see 19-year-olds and 26s here. It also blesses me to see the 60s and 70s in here as well. Do we have any 80s in here? Raise your hand. Any 80s? Got one back there. Don't point at Norm. He's not 80 yet. <laughs> but 80. Yeah. There's something going on there that for future generations, God wants to utilize because you had a reasonable experience. The thing that you thought would have killed you in that day didn't kill you. It kept you alive. Would you all stand up with me this morning? Every time we get together, it is imperative that when someone shares a word or shares, you read in your Bible, it is imperative that we take time to stop and to ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me this morning? It is imperative. Because you can shout, you can laugh, we can have a good time here, but if we walk away without a word from the Lord, kind of a waste of time. God's okay, but God is way better. With your heads bowed this morning, I just want you to stop. I want you to throw aside all your preconceived notions of who God is right now. And I want you to do what we started with, go back to the beginning and say, Jesus, what a beautiful name. by our confession that we're saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. Just want you to say, just, just under your own breath this morning, say, Jesus, what a beautiful name. Jesus, what a beautiful name. I want you to just keep saying that in your heart until you sense his presence here around you, with you. I want you to say it until you know that he's got you where you are right now. Not at reload. Not wherever you're going to work today. Maybe it is. But he's got you where you are for such a time as this.
This is an appointed time to meet with God. This can be a Kairos, just as Pastor Tom prophetically shared this morning. This is a Kairos moment for some of you. This is a, a turning point for some of you. So ask him this, God, if you've got me where I'm at, why don't I have peace? If you don't have peace this morning, then ask him why you don't have it. Hardest thing I've ever had to do is look into the eyes of Jesus and make this confession, Jesus, I just don't trust you. Because in that confession, he took the opportunity to minister to me and give me trust. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. God, if you've got me where I'm at, what am I supposed to learn in this place? I don't want to go around the mountain another time, God. I don't want to have just one more fight where I run out the door and slam the door in my wife's face and say things that I don't want to say. I don't want to, I don't want to be disappointed and, and show my disappointment to my children because they failed to please me specifically when they're really just pleasing you. Or maybe they're not following you whatsoever. God, I want to wake up tomorrow morning and I want to see my kids where they're supposed to be in you, not where they're at. And I want to speak that over them and not what I see. God, what am I supposed to learn in this place this morning? Heavenly Father, I pray over these men this morning. And I speak, I speak, they're no longer slaves. They're no longer in bondage to an old way of thinking. God, they're no longer in bondage to an old way of seeing who you are. But God, they would right now understand that you have them right where they're at. That it isn't about the job that they have. It's not about the house that they live in. It's not about the car that they drive. But God, you have them where they are at. And I pray this morning that they would pray peace over the place that they are right now. And Father, that you would show up right now in Jesus' name and give them peace. Father, right now that you give me a revelation of what they're to learn in this place and God, that they would grab hold of it. I pray a teachable spirit over every one of these men. A teachable spirit. Come quickly, Lord. Come quickly to them. Thank you that you're the one that sticks closer in the brother Jesus that you're a blessing. Father, we declare in this place that you are awesome, and that we're no longer slaves, and that your name is beautiful in this place, that your name is gracious in this place. Can you just begin to take a moment, just tell him who he is to him. God, you are faithful, you are merciful. God, you're a great teacher. Come on, open up your mouths and just say something to him. Tell him he's a good father, that he's a good, good father, that his plans for you are to prosper you, to give you a future and hope, and not to harm you, and that your day today is not where you are going to be tomorrow, that your latter days will be greater than the former, that he has called you to holy places, that you are blessed in the city, that you are blessed in the field, that he has divine appointments for you today and that in that moment he will speak to you what you need to say. You don't have to worry about it. 
declare those things over who you are today. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.